it's quite a deal, you know, how it just, how it catches you. But Luke 24, you know, when we talk about the resurrection, you know, remember that you and I are looking at all of this backwards. We, this is, we're, we're not what, going through what they went through. I'm, um, it was a mess. I mean, it really was a mess. You know, remember that the, the, the stuff that had happened, like, all week long, things that were going on, you know, Friday, what they witnessed and what they heard about with Jesus and what Peter went through and the betrayal and everything that was taking place. I mean, they, it was a, it was a, there was a lot happening. And then the Sabbath set in on a Friday evening. And so they put his body in the tomb and then, you know, then they're, then it's quiet, nothing until Saturday. Mark tells us later, um, you know, as the end of the Sabbath, which would have been um, Saturday evening for us at 6 p.m., that uh, the women went and bought spices from the marketplace uh, because that's when they could do it. And then they had to wait until the next day in the morning to be able to go to the tomb. And that's where we're at here in the book of Luke, chapter 24. And it says that now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And then they remembered, oh yeah, right, that's what he said. But remember, I say remember, they, Jesus is not there. They're not seeing anything. I, I mean, he's not appearing to them. He's not appearing to the disciples. They go back and tell the disciples. And in fact, you know, you'd think they'd be like, oh yeah, we remember he did say that. No, they, it says it seemed like it was idle tales, like they were making up stories, these women. And so there wasn't like this great expectation of resurrection. And, you know, when we look back, of course, we know that's what happened. But, but for them, there was no expectation of this at all. They thought that it was over. They thought this great leader of theirs that they had pretty much sold their lives out to, that, it, that he was dead and in a tomb. When they got there and the, it was open, they were just as surprised as anybody else would have been that that tomb was open. When they went in and didn't see his body there, they were perplexed, not in, like, glory to God, this is so awesome. They were like, what in the world is going on? Who's taken his body? Who's done this? What's happened? So uh, my point with that is, is that understanding the chaos that's around this first resurrection, I mean... Peter didn't know what to believe in when he was told. John didn't know what to believe. John took off running. Peter chased after him. John got to the tomb, saw it open. Uh, you know, in, the, in John's gospel, it tells us this. Uh, John was so perplexed, he stopped outside. Peter ran inside the tomb to see what was going on, you know, trying to figure out what was happening. I mean, there was a lot of confusion, and it's really not until, I mean, Mary has an instance with Jesus uh, here a little bit later but it's really, not, it's really not until later in the day that actually Jesus appears 
to all of his disciples together. And then Thomas isn't with them, and you know that story, how that Thomas still struggled with it when they told him about it. And then it wasn't until another time that he actually believed. So I want you to see that all around the resurrection is all this chaos and all of this confusion. But here's the thing I think that for us as believers that we have to really latch on to with this resurrection. Jesus defeated death. He defeated death. I mean, he outright defeated death. He said, well, why is that so important? See, because it's the fear of death. There are two primary fears that people deal with in life. Fear of failure and fear of death. Both of those can be eradicated through Jesus Christ. The fear of failure is eradicated through the renewed mind. That we, you know, the the Bible tells us it is the engrafted word in James chapter 1 that is able to save our soul. Transformation that happens through the renewed mind is according to Romans chapter 12. The fear of failure is that that sense, those two fears came into mankind when Adam and Eve sinned against God. The sin that they committed opened the door to terrible fear. One is a failure that they would disappoint, that they would fail, that they shouldn't try to do things because it won't work or whatever. And then the fear of death that ruled and reigned as well over people. And both of these are incredible fears because what they do is, is that fear will put a person into a place where they will stop. Fear is a, is, has, the, has the capacity to paralyze the individual. When someone, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid, um, I had gotten beaten up by this one kid on my way home from school. And, uh, and when I, uh, he gave me a black eye, and he was a much older kid than me, young man, he was a teenager actually, just a mean kid. And um, so when I would come home from school late, I would always be afraid that I might run into him. And one time I saw him, and I ran and hid behind these trash cans, and I was literally behind those cans I was paralyzed. I could not move. And even after he had gone a long distance away, I shook and was paralyzed behind those cans because of the memory of what he did to me before. See, fear is a great paralyzer. And when fear is at work in our lives, what it does is it it paralyzes us. It begins to make us feel like we can go no further. Whether it's the fear of failure or it's the fear of death, it makes us feel that there is no hope. There is no way to get out of this. There is no way for us to be able to change. Thank God that we can change through the transformed mind. Amen. Thank God that we can kill, get rid of the fear of death through recognizing that Christ has defeated death. Listen to this out of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death, this is talking about Jesus, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And here's what verse 15 says, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things He had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. 
Now, I want you to notice here in this passage, it's talking about the fear of death and how that people's lives are subject to the fear of death. You know, a lot of people in our, in our world right now are dealing with fear. I want, you to, I want you just to think about how quickly fear, see, people say, well, the coronavirus changed everything. No, the fear of it changed everything. It escalated because of fear. Is it a real problem? Yeah, we're not denying that. Is it something that medically could, that we're going to have to address? Yeah, absolutely. But fear has done fear has caused people to go totally bizarre and hoard toilet paper in their home. Fear you can you can only buy a jar of peanut butter at a time now because fear has driven people. I just want to throw a supposition, an idea out to you. I want you to notice how quickly our whole world changed because of fear. Not because of a virus, but because of fear. Because I believe this should tell all of us how quickly the world will change because of the Antichrist. I think it should remind us how quickly government can change, how quickly life can change, how quickly industry can change, and how quickly that we can all be shut down into our homes that fast that it can happen. What, a matter of weeks? that it took place. It's not through the virus, it's through the fear that is at work. Now, like I said, we, we need to be cautious. I absolutely believe we ought to be cautious. But we don't live our lives through fear of death. Oh, but what if I get it? What if it happens? What if it goes through the neighborhood? What if it gets worse? See, that's all that fear working. Could it happen? Sure, it could happen. But what Jesus, I hope you understand what I'm saying, that look, what Jesus has done is taken the power of the fear of death. So you take that out of the equation, and what's left? What's left for people if you take that out, just dealing with a virus? But if you keep that fear in there, then it puts everybody worried about, will this kill me? I mean, what do we get? It's hard, it, it, you know, it's hard or they're not putting out right now, at least that I've seen, the statistics of all the people that have recovered. You know that 98, something like 98.5% of all people that deal with that virus, are, they recover and are healthy. They come back out of it. So, well, they could get it again. See, that's all that fear at work again, trying to, that fear of death that's trying to work. And I, I believe on this resurrection morning that we need to just kick the fear out of our houses. We need to kick it out of our lives. We need to quit letting all this stuff that's feeding our fear. Look, stay home. Do what, do what you're being asked to do. But don't live like you somehow, you know, you're hunkered down in a cave with a shotgun trying to protect your box of Cheerios. This is what the, you that are not Christians, that don't believe in Christ, that are watching, and I know there are folks that are watching this that don't believe in the Lord. This is how quickly the Antichrist can take over the world by using fear. Maybe it's not going to be the fear of a virus. Maybe it's the fear of a collapsing economy. But what will happen is someone will rise up and quickly have the answers and everyone will turn to them and will follow them. But here's the thing. The believer will be long gone by then. We'll be long gone, but it should warn every Christian believer that's out there that this is what the enemy is going to use, is the fear of death, that your lives could be taken. You know, look at, I won't get into this but this morning, but I want you to think about those who don't take the mark of the beast. 
what happens to them. They're killed for it. Why? So we're afraid, so we take the mark of the beast. We basically succumb to whatever it is that we know is not godly, that it is not right because of that fear of death. My Bible tells me that Jesus, through his resurrection, released us from the fear and that we look, look at the, what that verse says in verse 15, who were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Oh, but pastor, I heard we're going to have to wear masks for the rest of the year. I heard that this could go on until, look, that's what's being said. And maybe there is some truth to it and maybe there isn't. But we are not living our lives afraid that something's going to take us out. Because Jesus has defeated. I, man, I hope you're getting this. That Jesus has defeated. He has broken the power of the fear of death. He has broken it. So, well, I'm all alone. I'm afraid I'll die alone. You are not alone. And you will not ever die alone. Because Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 through 28. But now Christ is risen from the dead, and he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For it is in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one of us in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Now this is talking about the kingship of Christ through the body of Christ. To put all enemies under his feet, the his feet, let me tell you who his feet are. We're his feet. The church is the, our, is the body of Jesus Christ. We are the feet of Christ on this earth. And it says that he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. You say, well, I thought Jesus destroyed death. He did. He overcame it. He defeated it. He now has the Keys, according to the book of Romans, which will, Revelation, excuse me, which we'll look at in a moment, that talk about that he has the keys of it. But the devil still has the gates. But God has the keys that unlock those gates for the Christian believer. And I want you to get this in your heart. Listen, friend. He put all things under his feet. When he says he puts all things under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. The adversary may still possess the gates, but the risen Savior possesses the keys that unlock those gates because he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He overcame all of it. When he rose from the dead, no one. Now, there were others. He was not the first one raised from the dead. But he is the first one that was raised from the dead without someone else raising him from the dead. See, I believe that what happened is on that third day when, when Christ was in that grave, that he, res that he made it, that he had said, I will rise again. And three days, that word, that same word that he spoke to a fig tree and cursed it, and he said it could move a mountain, he said, three days later, I will rise from the dead. And his very words that he spoke, that he spoke over and over to his disciples, carried his faith and his intent. And when 
three days came, even though his body was dead, his faith was still speaking. Those words still existed. And his body rose from the dead up out of that grave. You say, why? how did it happen? Because he spoke it before it ever happened. And that's how faith works. Faith's voice activated. He spoke it. And those things came into existence. Yeah, the enemy still has the ability to deceive and to lie and to steal and to kill and to destroy because we're tied to this earth and the earth is not completely redeemed yet. But we have the ability, and I want you to go back to something I said earlier, we have the ability to put all things under his feet. So let me ask you a question. Is death winning over you? Is it winning in your home? Is the fear of death. See, it doesn't have to be there. It's just being afraid that you could get it. I walked through the grocery store. I saw the fear of death on people's lives. I saw it. Don't go get too, get away. Go get too close. Don't, don't, whoa, I got my mask on. I got my glove. And look, that's great. Do all of that. I'm all for all of that. That's what they're asking you to do. Do it. But here's the thing. What's behind the mask, friend? Is there a faith-filled believer behind the mass that's speaking the word of God over your life and say, I will live and not die and declare the works of my God? Or are you walking through that department store, going to get your gasoline, living in fear that somehow this might take you? See, we don't have to live our lives afraid of death because death cannot hold us any longer because it couldn't hold him. It cannot, <coughs> excuse me, it cannot hold us. Because Revelation says, and when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid because I am the first and I am the last and I am he who lives and I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And you know what? That's great. But here he finishes it and said, amen. Jesus amened his own sermon. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. I have them. See, for the Christian believer, I just want to remind you that whatever happens in our life, whatever takes place, the Bible says in the book of Romans that neither death nor life, nor principality nor power, nor things present nor things to come, Nay, none of these things shall separate us from Christ, for we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Why? Because he has the keys. And even when death someday does visit, if Jesus tarries, we have nothing to fear because Jesus has defeated the fear of death. You have nothing to be afraid of, friend. But look, if you're watching this today, and you're not living right for God, and I'm not just talking about you, you, you know, I think part of this, maybe we're going to get corrected during all of this. You know, the thought is, is that, well, I know there's a God, or I believe in God. But see, Jesus didn't just come so that we could believe in him. Jesus came so that we could believe in him, and he could be the Lord of our lives, and he could change us into the kind of disciples that he wants to have. See, Jesus came so that we could recognize 
that there's a better life for us as we surrender the life that we've been living. But as long as we hold on to the life we have, well, I still got to be able to do, you know, I just got to do it my way, Pastor. I just got to be able to live the way I want to live. Look, I'm not saying that you're not going to heaven, but I'm going to say this. Be careful, because if you hang around a slippery creek bank long enough, you will eventually slip in. You can't keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And if anything, look, if anything we're recognizing in our day is is that the, the closer we are to the world, the world has no answers for us. It really doesn't. Politics doesn't have an answer. The medical community doing great things and helping people, that's so awesome. But look, in the end, there's still people dying from the virus. But here's the thing. God will never let you down because he has overcome this fear of death. If you're watching this today and you're not right with God, today is a great day for you to turn to God wholeheartedly and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. If you're watching this and you've never been a Christian, maybe you went to Sunday school as a kid and you know stuff about God, but look, I'm just going to tell you that just because you know some stuff about God is not enough. You have to call on the name of the Lord. When I say call on the name of the Lord, I don't just mean, you know, like, okay, Jesus. I mean call. Jesus, help me. I need help. Come into my life. Save me. Give me the new life. It's time for some of you that are watching right now to turn your life over to God. Turn it over to God. It's time for some of you that are watching right now for you to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, save me from my sins. You died for them, now save me from them. And I believe absolutely that the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind as you do. You say, well, pastor, what if I do that? What do I do next? Well, there's a number there that's on the screen that you can text right to me. I'll get it. Uh, Our staff will get it. And we will pray for you, but we will also contact you and help you in your walk with the Lord. If you're a Christian believer and you're watching this and you've been battling this fear of death, look, you need to reach out. Text that number and we will pray for you and we will agree with you. Somebody will contact you and we will break that spirit of fear of death off of your life because that is demonic. That is not God. God wants you to be free and God wants you to live in the freedom that he has for you. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And so I just invite you, my friend, to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's how we do it. Very simple. You just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I surrender to you. I need your help. I need you to save me, give me new life. I want to be born again, Lord. I'm done living life my way. Now I'm ready to start living life your way. And I believe with all my heart as you pray that prayer right now. And you know, it's not that you said all the words just right or you say all the words just right. God sees your heart that you're calling out for help. People are desperate for the Lord God Almighty because really he's the only one that's going to help you through to get through everything that's going on. Jack Daniels isn't going to do it, friend. It's not going to help you get through it. A bottle of wine's not going to do it. Smoking joints every day isn't going to do it. None of that's going to help you get through it. It might help you get through temporarily, but you're just going to need more. You're just going to have to surrender more. Food isn't going to help you get through it, okay? 
Food isn't going to help you get through it. Eating out of control is not going to help you get through it. What's going to help you get through it all is that you allow the very one who defeated death to have control of your life. Father, I pray for all those who are watching today. Lord God, I ask you in the name of Jesus. Charlie, if you could come, I'm going to have you play Amazing Grace for me. The worship team wants to come up with him. And uh, I know this is kind of off the cuff. But uh, I'm going to ask you, as I'm praying, to stand up at your home right now, if you would. And uh, we're going to sing a real simple chorus today. And uh, I believe it will really help you. It's one, pretty much, it's one of the most popular Christian songs of all time. And it happens to be the name of our church, Amazing Grace. And as I'm praying, I just believe that as you surrender yourself to that amazing grace of God, that God's great glory and grace is going to fill your home where you're at right now. Father, I thank you. Lord, for all those who call on your name, Lord God, today, whether they've been a Christian for a long time or, Lord, they're a new Christian today or they're someone that got away from you and now is coming back. Lord, I believe with all my heart, by your spirit of grace, Lord God, that your amazing grace is flowing in their home, Lord God, that salvation is flowing on their lives, Lord Jesus, and that the fear of death is broken in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that
may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and all that you do and you're going out and you're coming in in your labor and in your leisure. Thank you, Father God, that you are with these, that they abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord God, that they will be able to say continuously of the Lord, He is my God, He is my strength, He is my refuge, He is my fortress. And Lord, I declare over them that no plague or calamity will come near their dwelling. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Resurrection Day. God bless you. Have an awesome day today. Amen.